following program contains explicit language and subject matter and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello? It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Yes, we're back. Okay, Mac, this is a Zero Fucks podcast. And although that song, the music, is not actually a bit Zero Fucks, is it? Like it's, it's a bit romantic. We're going to talk about romance. Why not? It's overdue. Been putting it off for weeks and weeks. And this is, um, I find this romantic because this is what my parents would listen to on the cleaning weekends. I don't know. And it was also the show to a, a start to a show, I think in the 70s, called Sounds Unlimited. Anyway, it's Barry White. And Barry White is a sexy motherfucker. So I thought, why not use it? That's my angle on romance. What is romance? What are we going to talk about it, how it works, what it's all about. What it means to some people. What it means to me. I can't talk for everyone. And... Uh, so I thought this time of year... Now, we're a week late, so we're going to have a double bang and there'll be another episode after this, straight after this. But um, I thought it was important to tackle the, the romance side because so much feedback is coming on, on my social media about, is romance dead? Is Really? Is it still alive? I'm worried. I'm worried for people out there. It scares me. So why don't we get this show started and we're going to shake things up. what better way to start and kick it off 
the show. I keep saying the show like it's, you know, a performance. Maybe it is. It's a podcast. It's a Zero Fucks podcast. Poor I Gorilla Radio. I'm your presenter, K-Mac. And this is the vibe I'm trying to put out there. I thought, what better way than to start with a nice tune to kick the day off. Whatever time you listen to this, evening, daytime, morning, driving to work on a Monday and thinking there's got to be something better in the world. Guess what? There is. There's plenty. But anyway, let's start off a lovely day. Yeah. 
Okay, is everyone feeling it? Is everyone feeling like now it's going to be a lovely day? Is that the mood setting? Are we in? And we are lift off. Okay. So, what is romance? What's it all about? Of course, as I said, welcome to the Zero Fucks podcast from Gorilla Radio. Now, I'm your host, K-Mac. Obviously, my parents didn't call me that, but that's another story. Um, what else have I got for you? I'm flying solo again this week, but with Randy, um, the um, intern, obviously, who um, doesn't get to say much, just has his bit every now and then. Hey, guys, I'm Randy, the new intern. Okay, Boomer. And there he is calling me Boomer once again. But at least Randy's there now doing what I need him to do. Alexa's here. Alexa. How are you? I'm feeling generous. I've got presents for everyone. Just say, give me a lucky dip. Give me a lucky dip. Okay, didn't work. Alexa, give me a lucky dip. Your wish is my command. You win... A priceless porcelain tea set once owned by Queen Elizabeth the... Whoops. I did not see that coming and I didn't realise that Alexa was a part-time comedian. Well, telling dad jokes anyway. So, there we go. That just blindsided me totally. Um, So, finally we're here, the romance episode. It's been in planning. I've talked about it. I've put it out there. Um, I had a few people shit came me and go, look at you, you big softy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. It's true. I am. I admit it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not lying. But um, I guess one of the things about, well, I think I'm a romantic person, you know, and I love being in love, but right now with everything going on and what I'm doing and, you know, what's going on in my world, I've sort of been struggling to get in that mood to want to talk about romance. And I'm not a dude to fake it. Like I just... I'm very much, this is what I say, this is what I do, here it is. And I struggle when I've got to uh, pretend or fake it up. And I think some people have actually said to me at times, mm, you're not yourself or whatever. No, no, I was a bit off track. So needed to get into that mood. And I'm not sure the only one and this this year particularly, you know, um, has not been, you know, people not being in the zone. Uh, this year's been a shake-up. But for men and women alike, romance can mean totally different things. You know, to have romance and to have sex. I mean, sex is easy for men to get in the zone as a stiff dick has no conscience. And for women who also have the ability to switch off the emotional side aside when they're just craving sex, um, and, they, and that's easy. Well, I don't say for all women, I don't say for all men, but this is a general thing. But for men, women and others... So we call them X or they, whatever they want to refer to themselves as. We all crave, we all crave romance. And that's the reality. Romance is a thing that makes sex go to the next level. Yes, sex is great and sex is awesome. But if you've been romanced, it's the next level. It's that feeling that can't be replaced. And I mean, realistically, romance can be foreplay, but it can be weeks or months before anything takes place, it's that lead-in part. It's it, it, it's the, the the part in your brain that says, 
I dig this person, I'm into it. It can be anything. And romance doesn't need to be large gestures. It can be small gestures as well. It can be anything. Any, but you need to know that person and you need to care enough to want to make that person happy. The thought of being in, in a romance or romancing someone is just a great feeling and everyone should get to feel it. And having to pro- provide self-gratification, and I don't mean totally masturbating, I mean the other things that you do for yourself just to feel good, um, we shouldn't have to have that for the rest of our lives. We should want to meet someone or be with someone that wants to provide us with that feeling, you know. And, and, and we sure all get to experience that feeling. Some people don't uh, and they don't know what they're missing out on. Other people have it and lose it and then struggle to replace it. I, for one, have been in that situation. I've been um, in that romantic zone um, with someone that I crave them every step of the day, every step of the, the you know, of, of the, the minute of the day, everything. And when it's taken away, it's not that you don't care about them or love them. You want to feel that feel again and sometimes you try and you probably get 60% of the way and then sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. It's really hard But when that person steps into that zone, you just know and it clicks and you go, now I'm starting over. So there can be many things to consider here and to do this subject on romance properly. I tapped into my past and I thought about what romance means to me and how it affects you in your life. I mean, that's all I can reflect on. I, I I can sprout off quotes or statistics or whatever that is, but... I have to come back to what what it means to me. I can only speak for me. I mean, what does it mean to you? Is is romance love? Is is or does romance bring love? Or is it instantly something you feel when someone you're interested in? You know, is that is it that spark? So I, this podcast we're going to throw some tunes in, we're going to throw a few things around and 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 laugh about a few things. For instance, this is our sponsor. Great theme show for great theme show. Great theme music for a show. Yes, it was a show. I believe it might have been 60s, 70s. Never seen it. But it's good to know that there is a version called Love American Style. Don't know what that means. Right now it probably means love without COVID. I don't know. Bad gag. All right, so let's recharge, reignite the thought of romance. And how this can help couples and singles to get to that feeling that makes them do and say stupid things, act crazy 
Or forget the world as we know it and just experience some fun, laughter, sex, warm feeling inside. I mean, have you ever put yourself in a situation that at the time you thought you were doing something exceptionally well and sensible only to realise later you're acting foolish and totally out of character and then you think, why, why, why? Why don't I do or act like that? Well, maybe, maybe. I can tell you I've done it plenty of times. Um, and it takes me a bit to look at it and reflect and go, fuck, that was stupid or was that, what do they think? Oh, you know, overanalyze it. And now I look back, I go, that was because I was trying to do something romantic. Or I was trying to make someone happy or I was trying to – I was in that zone. You know, I love being in that zone. So if you feel stupid, don't don't think like that. This is what makes us who we are and this is when we act on instinct with our heart and not our brain and it can bring out the best and romantic moments in life. It can also create memories that can never be forgotten. You know, even though, you know, you, you've had past relationships, there's going to be things from the past – that made you laugh or do you ever remember that time when you've actually done something with a partner and it could have been anything but you've had a belly laugh to the point where you, you're laughing that you, you, like I've been in you know several like many of them where the partner's nearly pissing themselves and saying oh don't, don't stop I'm gonna wee I'm gonna wee like it, it's it's literally those memories can you create can't be forgotten if you choose not to like if you want to remember the good stuff so just by capturing those memories in your life and fill your photographic memory with good thoughts and pictures, it pushes the bad ones out to the back of the list. And let's not focus on the bad things. Let's not focus on our past relationships, the bad part. Let's think about the good stuff. As someone has dealt with depression on and off for over 20 years, now I can personally tell you that it's more important to focus on the good stuff and what's happened in your life and the good things ahead. It's, it's, it's not, let's not forget where we came from. That's okay. We all understand that. And then there's a key factor in, in being romantic and that's optimism. You must be optimistic in order to be truly romantic. For the people that have questioned and said, really, is there romance? I know that you're positive people as a norm. You're just questioning that it's not, you're not currently in a romance or being romantic at the moment. And, and you're thinking, well, fuck, where is it? So you must be optimistic in order to be truly romantic, in my opinion. And you must be able to put it, all your, all everything that you're thinking set aside involving thoughts that may take you into the negative part, right? Just put them like some. The next person is not the last person, and the, and your how you acted in your last relationship might not be how you act in the future. You've got to put that aside. So I guess let's start and define. I mean, what romance is, and put the the zero fucks spin on it. You know, on romance. So the definition of romance is as follows. It's a conducive or characterised by the expression of love. I've characterised or by or suggestive of idealised view of reality. So, I mean, a noun, I mean, a person, a noun basically is a person with romantic beliefs or attitudes. So is it a belief, is it an attitude... I say it's an attitude and, and to have that you've got to have beliefs and you've got to have that optimistic spot, you know, spin on it that you want to get to that next place. I don't want to get bogged down in, in talking like I'm giving a lesson so it's really, 
just me expressing how I, I sort of feel. Um, and and it's I'm, I'm going to use different mediums to show what I think romance is anyway. So this is a really broad brush in its definition. Um, and we actually see romance in truth. Uh, and I believe that it can mean something, different things to different people. And that is where we're going to start. Because what are our influences on romance? Is it, is it built in? Is it, you know, do we, is it there and we have to trigger it? Are we born with it, this feeling? And we want to make others feel as good as we do. Um, do we see other influences? My parents, I've got obviously so many things come back to our parents and I guess this is like the psych side of it. I didn't really see my parents in a romantic side together. I've seen them in separate marriages being romantic. But the funny thing that they shared, my parents, was the love of music um, and they were in, they were in it, you know, right in that zone. And because of their love of music, and I got to hear so many different, you know, types, but there was always this romantic bond. Even my, my father, who, thank God, is in a real new loving relationship and, and is so happy it's not funny, he still has this undertone of different tracks and different music that takes him to that place and makes him feel good. So for me personally, I would think I've always craved family and love. But this is not romance. So people that can be in a relationship and not in love but are hemmed in with the thought of being lonely. So they stay together. There's no real romance there. They might think they're in love but what they are feeling inside when they crave that other person is the smallest things they say or do that make them happy or feel good and warm. So you don't have to be madly in love with someone all the time. I I believe in a relationship you have to be. And it's that same person that makes you angry, is the same person that you crave, the same person that you you love and you want to impress or you want to do good things for, um, is that person that you're you're checked into. But you've got to be on the same page, and that, that's the hard part. So, I mean, don't we all crave happiness? You know, my family life growing up was was not of a loving family. My parents separated, and of course, divorced when I was around eightish. And I became a man of the house early. So I was not unloved by my mother. In actual fact, my mother went over the top and gave me more love. It was very tactile and taught me about the love and the romance. And this is where, you know, her soundtrack to her life was orientated through everything had a theme about love. It was just, I don't know. And I think I just picked up on that. So this is a huge advantage for men that are raised by single mums. I, I truly believe because you tap into the, the feminine side of or viewing what happens. I mean, I saw my mum happy and sad and crying and break down and everything, but I also saw where my stepfather stepped into her life that how much it changed, you know. And I saw uh, my mother meet a man that, that would take her take care of her unconditionally still to this day he's a good man he tried and has done so much to romance her just with with you know silly things he's never asked for anything but respect and trust and the fact is my mother has a mental illness and and she's put this back on my stepfather and put him through hell 
in so many ways, but he's still there and that's what he does. Um, he he never was a huge influence on me when I was younger because I just, you know, the stepfather versus dad thing. But when you get older, you really appreciate what an amazing man that he is. And this is part of my story that I can tell, you know. I, I, I can see how he poured in and tipped into the romance side. I saw my grandparents have unconditional love for each other and 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 how it wasn't the big things. It was just that they were in each other's skin. Uh, and someone said to me once, you know, I couldn't be I couldn't get closer to you without being inside your skin. And that's what unconditional love is and that's romance, you know. And and that's that, that feeling, you, you know that feeling inside you get when you just feel like I can fucking beat the world. And hopefully romance, someone you're sharing with can can bring that into you well. I don't know. Am I sap? Maybe I'm a bit soft, I don't know. But what influences us to be romantic? I mean, or want romance in our lives? Is it easy not to have it? Is it to go, well, I don't need it. I'm just going to be fucking miserable. Is it our social networks? Is it observing our parents? Can it be movies, music, poems? You know, we see through history that throughout the ages the world has always found a way to be romantic. So let's have a little fun today and let's look at a few different influences um, that are current and uh, retro, retrospecting in so many ways. Um, and I guess coming into this, I did a bit of research and, and, and reading science papers to get the correlation between romance and love and to use um, the writer of, of, of papers. Uh, I guess the terms, you know, the, the romantic ideology of, ideology of the persuasive construct in Western culture. Uh, we know it relatively little about how it influences and the unfolding of particular relationships. You know, while I'm a man of science, I believe sometimes we don't need to break down the thought, a process or the feeling in order to, to get inside um, the reasoning. But I'm going to steal a little abstract um, from a paper titled Social Influences on Romantic Relationships. Obviously, this is not mine. How do we get to choose a partner or initiate a relationship with? Or what makes us stay in a given relationship over time? These questions are most often pursued by scholars with an emphasis on internal thoughts, feelings and motivations of individual decision makers. Conversely, this, is, this volume highlights the importance of considering external factors on individual decision making in close relationships. So that's where I'm at. I look at my life and I look at the things that influence me. Music's a big thing. Movies is another. Um, the ability to write, to describe something, not necessarily what you've got but what you want. So you can write a, a screenplay and, and how you phrase the wording in that in order to deliver the feeling, it might not be what you got, it might be what you want. But the ability to do that, I mean, writers blow me away that they're able to publish something that's more than just a few words or a few sentences. They actually write something that's amazing. So, you know, let's look at the influences. Comedy is another thing. 
Let's just have a listen to the British spin on what's important. Is this romantic? I'm not sure, but I mean, I love this guy. We had some friends round for the evening. We're dipping bread in oil. We're having a lovely time. <laughs> Issues are coming up. The issue of teenage pregnancies come up. Now, I've had nearly a whole bottle of Zinfandel. <laughs> I'm going for seven and a half, eight quid, but I'm, buy I'm buying the cheap shit anymore. Eight quid I'm paying now. <laughs> he's in my office, he thinks he's cracked it. <laughs> So, I've been a bit buoyed up with booze. So I said to these very nice people, teenage pregnancies, through the roof, I said, through the roof. And I'll tell you why. During the last 30 years in the UK, fingering has disappeared. <laughs> yeah. You know it, people. Now, maybe you people came out for an easy ride tonight. <laughs> so it ain't gonna happen here. I'm bringing it to you from the street. <laughs> You're not going to hear this stuff on Question Time. <laughs> or the one show. No, it's people like me. Got to spread the word. You know, as well as I do, the demise of fingering has led to chaos in the UK. <laughs> the teenager will not wait. They will not defer gratification. We did. It took ages to get to that point. You didn't get to that point for a hey, You had to tip the girl up for about a year. <laughs> you had to tip her up in the flats. <laughs> Over the park, babysitting. <laughs> you did your time. <laughs> Got to know her a bit. You tipped her up over the jumper. <laughs> over the jumper. And you got under the jumper. <laughs> then one night she'd look at you and go, go on. <laughs> You're holding a tit. You don't know what to do with a tit. You're holding one. You're never going to be the same again. So walk home in a dice. I've held a tit. Your mum would know me. You. You've held a tit, haven't you? So you titted her up. You washed a couple of cars, got a bit of dough together. You treated her to wimpy and chips. She's a nice girl. She's thought, what a lovely fella. He's titted me up for a year. He's bought me a rum bubba. I'm going to let him finger me later. she's going to get fingered. <laughs> They're good people. The old man's a bit excited. What's going on? He took her for a whimpy. <laughs> Calm down, George. We brought her up right. She's only going to get fingered, you know it. <laughs> so... So there's something about Mickey We had Flanagan. some friends round for the I evening. just love... I can't get enough of him. I, um... I find his humour spot on. And there's going to be people that cringed in a group of people in front of others when they hear the term fingered. But in reality, we all know it takes place. We've all done it or had it done to us. It's, it's not 
a freaky term. It's not something we should be. But it's just Mickey's spin on stuff I love. So that's Mickey Flanagan. You ever heard of him? Look him up. And he'll talk about going out and out. And you'll get the picture. Anyway. All right. Let's get back to romance. Let's start with music. We've all listened to music and somehow it impacts on our lives. Now I, I love the fact that you can hear a tune and it can take you straight back into that zone and it, and it just clicks things. Anyone that's listening to this knows that I'm a big Tina Arena fan and the woman gives me goosebumps every time I hear her voice. And certain songs mean some things and certain songs mean others. But, but sometimes we don't realise for years how we can hear that tune and take that trip to that feeling and emotion, good or bad, and it makes us feel romantic. Now, I can only again talk about my experiences. I worry about the songwriters not writing tunes like they used to. I mean, you can listen to anything written by David Foster. I mean, everyone that he's worked in with, think Chicago, Natalie Cole, Tony Braxton, Michael Bublé, Celine Dion, Josh Groban. I mean, they're all his creations. And he's constructed music and lyrics to give that romantic vibe. And the hook, as he describes it, if you go back to The Bodyguard, he took a Dolly Parton song, which was, and I'm not putting shit on Dolly Parton, but it was very, very bland. It was just a mediocre song. It had The lyrics were good and it meant something, but it was, even the way she sung it was just very, just mediocre, yeah, just across the line, across the middle line. When Whitney Houston got to, well, when she sung it, with David Foster saying, this is what I need you to do and put that spin on, he created an amazing song. Now, there wouldn't be a person in the age category of 20 to 70 that hasn't heard the soundtrack of The Bodyguard, in particular, one song. We all know what that song is. And that can gel feelings for everyone in all different ways but it will take you back to a feeling or did someone play that for you? In the old days, you used to make a mixtape. The old days. Fuck, I show my age when I say stuff like that. A mixtape. You would make a mixtape for someone and you would go, here, listen to this. Now, they don't have tapes. And for many people who listen and go, what the fuck is a mixtape? If you don't know, you don't know. Look it up. Google it. Um... Actually, yeah, there's another term I'll use, but that comes up. Then we went to CDs. And then we went to the ability where you could burn a CD, which I used to do. I'm a big fan of burning CDs. I used to be. And then you could actually, on a CD writer that I had, you could burn the top of it and actually put your own design on the top of it for someone to go, here, I made this for you. Now, that, to me, that's my romantic side, right? I want someone to share the music that I like and, and to, to make them feel good because it makes me feel good and I want, to, I want to tell them how I feel about them through song. And, of course, that progressed to a USB stick and playlists. And I really think that we've lost the art of being romantic. Like you send... Someone a song about that, but you send them a YouTube clip and you hope that they open it. You don't know that they do. Maybe they see it. Oh, here's a YouTube clip. Fuck it, I want to look at it. And I don't. I think it loses that that personal touch of going back to when you made a tape. I was lucky enough to live in that era where you could make tapes. But 
there's always a way. You can find a way to do anything. So this is what music's about and how it affects us and so much and leaves an impact on our lives. Let's do a quick overview from science without drilling down too much of it. But the hippocampus in the, in the frontal cortex are two large areas of the brain associated with memory and they take a great deal of information every minute. Retrieving it's not, also, it's not as easy. It doesn't simply come when you ask it to, but music can help it provide a rhythm and a rhyme and sometimes alliteration which makes us unlock information as, with cues. So it's a structure of a song that helps us remember it, as well as the melody and the images the words provoke. So where is the romance in music these days? For me, I'm a huge John Legend fan, right? I love John Legend. I love his songwriting. I think he's brilliant. Um, and, I, and I worry about where are the songwriters like that today, you know, about being brokenhearted and, um, you know, different songs that... And it's not just all about being, being happy, you know. There's, there's songs that, um, that made us feel fucking miserable. Um, and, it, it, you know, but I, I, I don't see these people writing songs. I don't see um, that feeling that, that took place. Um, and, and I worry that we're going to lose that medium. I mean, do we refer back to... Songs that from our past or from our parents' era. I mean, I've got songs from my parents' era that really click into things. I mean, Michael Bublé is making millions of dollars about singing songs from the past because people wrote songs like that. Here's one that I think Bublé's covers. A lot of people have covered it, but this is this is not a really happy song, but it makes you realise that you know shit happens. Do. 
world stands at this I remember I cried when my father died Never wishing to hide the tears And at 65 years old My mother, God rest her soul Couldn't understand why the only man She had ever loved had been taken Leaving her to start With a heart so badly broken Despite encouragement from me No words were ever spoken When she passed away Now, that was a hit, right? Believe it or not. That was a hit in the 70s. And um, thank you, Gilbert O'Sullivan. I don't know that it was his real name, but it was a good play on words. That was a hit in the 70s, right? He sings about being stood up at the altar and he's going to jump off a bridge and someone talks him out of it. And then he talks about being on his own and being miserable and then he talks about his father dying and his mother hating the, the fact that the only man she ever loved was taken away from her. And then she dies and he's na- alone again naturally. You. And I've got Siri now piping in. Wow. Siri, stop. Okay. Alexa and Siri, they're all fighting for my attention. So this I is. I didn't hear that. Please try that again. There we go. It's all just on top of each other. So um, this is where music and, and, and can, can bring those memories and, and can put in our heads. Here's another guy that I find that is, is a good dude. Um, and it's, it's from it's my parents' era more so. And he's recently, I think, just passed away. I hate saying that because I, I, I think I just read um, that he passed away and it makes me sad. Let me check. Fuck, I'd hate to kill him off and he hasn't. No, he's still alive. I hate doing that. I really do hate doing that. Okay, the guy's 77 years old. He still performs. Let's just do this.
Okay, so that's George Benson. And the reason that I bring him up is because if you go through his back catalogue, you'll find that he's just got track after track about love and being in love. I mean, the guy is an amazing guitarist in his own right during a time where black guitarists weren't the hit of the town, right? But this is why I dig this character so much. 77 years old, he's been married for 55 years, he's got seven kids, and he describes his music and focusing on love and romance and due to his commitment to his family. The dude was driven by romance. This is why he's able to make the tracks that he does. I mean, there's, you know, here's another one, for instance, where it's just... Imagine being a good guitarist and being able to sing. So it's a bit older, right, and it's not current. But that's George Benson, and this is a guy that is driven for his career in music about romance. Check out his back catalogue. I guarantee you there's a song that you've heard of and you go, yeah, man, I really dig that dude. Yeah, you dig that dude because he's selling something he believes in. He's not faking it. He's not full of shit. Stevie Wonder's another one. He's one of my biggest heroes ever. Um, I don't think there's a song... That you can find Stevie that doesn't sing about being in love or being a girl. I mean, the guy's fucking blind, you know. But anyway, Stevie is is a legend. So music is such an important part of our senses and that sets the scene in our brains into creating a scene and or a place that we can go and it's in movies as well. We know that music is used in movies but there's also... Movies that can influence us, right? Many great directors use music to create the ambience and the feel and what they're trying to use, the emphasis on the screen. So let's talk about the next movie, next influence on romance, which is movies. And I'll just give you this clip and you'll hear, I'll guarantee you that no one listening to this has ever heard this before. Um, and I'll tell you about the movie in a minute. But listen to how they use the music to build... Joint. No more hot water. Well, it's a roof anyway. Yeah, it's a roof, all right. Well, you're going to give the room clerk for money when we move out. I can still get that job at Remington. Forty dollars a week? We can get by on that. Yeah, maybe you can, but not me. It's too slow, Bob. I want to do a little living. What's your idea of living? It's not 40 bucks a week. Tell me, when did you get this idea? Oh, I've always had it. Ever since I can remember. If I don't get it one way, I'll get it the other. I didn't think we'd had it figured out that way. Well, so I've changed my mind. I told you I was no good. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. But I've been kicked around all my life. And from now on, I'm going to stop kicking back. What is it you want? 
when are you going to begin to live? Four years in reform school, then the army. I should think they'd owe you something for a change. What's it got you being so particular? Look, let's not argue. I'll... I'll hock my guns. It'll give us enough dough to make another start. There isn't enough money in those guns for the kind of start I want. But I want things, a lot of things, big things. I don't want to be afraid of life or anything else. I want a guy with spirit and guts. A guy who can laugh at anything, who'll do anything. A guy who can kick over the traces and win the world for me. Look, I don't want to look in that mirror and see nothing but a, a stick-up man staring back at me. You better kiss me goodbye, Bart. Because I won't be here when you get back. Come on, Bart. Let's finish it the way we started it, on the level. So that's from a movie called Gun Crazy. And you can tell from the scene that it's an old movie. It's actually a 1950s movie. Never seen the movie, but I just know that speech. Now this is where the ability to write, it is a really particular romantic thing. And of its time, it is a really uh, aggressive, not aggressive woman, but a positive woman saying, you know, come on, let's just be on the level. Let's just finish this how we started, you know. Let's tell the truth. And, and that's the romantic side. They use music to, to build it to that crescendo and, of course, there's a kiss and he leaves and that's the way it is. But what about movies? How do, how do movies set the scene for romance? How do they impact on us? A- enough for us to want to be romantic or to learn to be romantic? I say hell yes in many ways. I say, I say yeah, it does help. So here's, here's a couple of things from me, different movies. Um, the scene for me which is... Romantic and as sexy as fuck. The movie's called The Assassin with Bridget Fonda. Um, I think in America it was originally called The Point of No Return. In Australia it was launched as um, The Assassin. 1993. Now originally it's based on the story La Femme Nikita uh, and it's been translated and changed. And I think a few people are different, you know, had a crack at it. Um, um, and by one of my favourite directors, Luc Besson, the Frenchman, who's just amazing. And known for The Fifth Element, uh, The Professional, which I think is also called Leon. A true amazing French talent. I love his work. So in this story of Point of No Return, Bridger Fonda's a junkie um, that's given the death sentence only to go and work for the government department, as you guessed it, as an assassin. Right. That's the back story. This doesn't sound very romantic at all. But what it does, it delivers. And, and, it's, and it's hard to think that a movie like that doesn't. But anyway, the transformation of this ugly junkie, and I mean ugly, Bridget Fonda looks at the worst in this, into a beautiful swan. And I, I, look, I find Bridget Fonda sexy as fuck, right? But in particular in this, she obviously dumbed down, looks like a junkie, he's got a big, big attitude. And, uh, and then she's released in the public and she's trying to fit in. 
Right. Now, she's been from a junkie life to trying to be this beautiful person with manners and how she presents herself. And uh, she ends up going shopping. And she's literally pushing a trolley around following and just buying everything in the, what other people have got in their trolleys and she doesn't know. Anyway, she cuts to a scene where she's having dinner with Dermot Mulroney who is the building supervisor and this woman's been locked away, she hasn't had sex, she hasn't been in relationships... But the moment she sees this dude, she craves him. So she's having dinner in, in, you know, in the apartment and she seduces him hard. And I mean she's thirsty as a motherfucker. I mean she wants him inside her and she's charging hard at him. Now this is a romantic scene. But for me it's about this woman finding her freeman and going after what she wants. And it's cheeky and fun. So it's not only just a sex scene but it's a montage of different things of them hanging together and their interaction inside and outside the apartment while, you know, the sex scene cuts back and forth. But all of this is sent to Nina Simone's Here Comes the Sun and it's romantic and sexy as and it's probably one of the major highlights that sidetracks from the, the action-adventure mentality of crime and it's just got this one segment where you see these two you know into each other um it, it actually the more when i watch the movie and i go back and watch it it makes me fall in love with bridget fonda all over again but what's so romantic about it it combines a couple falling in love or lust with sexy music but it captures people being happy and having fun and this is what romance is about for me they're just there's a passion there's an honesty that you can't hide and that you want to be with someone you crave them and you go after it and you want to do something nice for them and you want to make both feel good about the experience. There's stupid little things that they do and quirky shit but it's just having fun. Now that to me is far more uh, interesting than someone who spends their life taking selfies of each other, of themselves and just posts them on uh, Instagram hoping uh, with you know with the the ability to photoshop them to get some sort of self gratification i don't know but this this these two wanting and and and, and experience good bad you know but experience life and and that's what's awesome about it and if you stopped and wondered you know what you're missing from your life then you're missing out on the romance that you crave hop tip for this movie um, as so many different Nina Simone tracks are used throughout it because she's a big Nina Simone fan. Each one of them hits the mark and intensifies the moment in the scene. If you don't know or haven't heard of Nina Simone, look her up and you'll find not only her original songs but you'll find that she does her own spin on other songs and, yeah, yeah, just amazing. So Point of No Return or a.k.a. The Assassin, whatever it is. It's, it's an older movie, but check it out. Um, what else? The bodyguard, Kevin Costner. Okay, he plays an unassuming bodyguard that takes care of his client in a professional, turns out, romantic connection. When she realises that her life is in serious danger, she turns up the volume because this guy is so unassuming but he's there all the time. Is this romantic? Yeah, hell yeah it is because he isn't chasing her. And it just happens naturally and he becomes the knight in shining armour and she craves. When he picks her up in the nightclub and after everyone's charging her, 
the way that the scene's set, the way that the music's set to it, the way the look on her face, and I didn't think Whitney Houston could ever act. She nailed it. Kevin Costner gives cops so much shit, but he is a quality actor. But the way that that scene is set, we don't just see what happens after everything is diffused, but for the sake of the story, when there's chemistry and the feeling of bonding between the two main leads, this wanting one another is romance. We all have that feeling. And let's not forget the killer track I spoke about by Whitney Houston set up by David Foster that captured the emotional pull during this movie. And, you know, it turned that Dolly Parton into, into an international hit. Her basic song, not her particular, she was huge. But, but now when you hear that song and it takes you back, that emotion and that feeling as your brain has captured it and then that's the power. This is why the feeling of, of being romantic or being romance is so nice. Now if you had a bad experience during watching this, the movie will block it out but good feelings and emotions will always override the bad. So remember a good movie and a great musical hook that will tie you to it. Sometimes a movie is just that and it doesn't need a musical hook but other times it does. I've got an ex-partner that would sing uh, a show tunes, so show tunes song that I've never seen the movie but it always makes me giggle because she would break out this one song and I'd think, what the fuck are you thinking? And it always makes me laugh. There's a romantic edge to that. It didn't cost her anything. It didn't cost me anything. It isn't, but it was a bond that happened at the time that we both gelled. Okay. Let's step right into the final movie I'm going to talk about. And the one that for me is, I think, the killer in, in setting up movies. And that's The Notebook. Not only have I bought the movie over and over several times that people I've given it to or relate past relationships, I've left it there. I, I can't tell you how many times I've bought this. It's crazy. But there's a few things about it. You know, people have said, oh, I've seen it back in the day. Okay, it's not for everyone, right? But for me it was one of those movies that I didn't get in on the hype when it happened and I saw it and I went, wow. So, firstly it was based on a book written by Nicholas Sparks. Now, he was suffering depression at the time that he wrote this. He was unemployed and decided to have a crack at being a serious author. And he wrote it about his wife's grandparents. And this is who they really are. Now, when they got married, when Nicholas Sparks married his wife, they had two weddings. They had a wedding where they planned it and then they went suited up, I think, the next day or the day after to their grandparents' place because they, I think one of them couldn't make it to the wedding and they, they went suited up and they had like a, you know, a faux wedding for them because these two were so into each other. Now, the notebook plays on a story of people that fall in love and break apart in an era where you weren't supposed to... Your parents influence very much on the social status, on who you hooked up with and who you don't. And it still happens today, not as much. But it's the pressure of you're not to marry this guy, this guy's this, this guy's that, he went off to war, blah, blah, blah. Right. On top of, on the sideline, is that the movie was directed by Nick Cassavetes. He is 
Hollywood royalty because his father was a director, his mother's an actor, actress. He cast his mother as the old Ali character, right? So that's his mum in it. Nick Castavetti's to look at and how he talks doesn't talk like a romantic director. I mean, the guy is a fucking savage in so many ways, but he's a director I love because he is who he is. He's not full of bullshit. He's not. He just tell it how tells it how it is. And the other part to this movie which really works is the chemistry, and they brought two actors two actors at the time that had both had acting gigs but were neither headliners. And um, I think that that's key that they just – they were on the cusp but they got real actors. Rachel McAdam had done other stuff but they brought her in after they'd already uh, cast the male lead because they were looking for chemistry. Nick Castavetes was really looking for chemistry and – to, to get that on screen is important, right? Now, there's a point where you can act and there's a point that you struggle. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you, I mean, it's, it's tough. You've got you to get the right person. Ryan Gosling had done uh, other movies, but, I mean, like Remember the Titans, I think he was in it. He was like a, you know, part of the, the major cast. He wasn't a major character and he was like a hick. Nick Castavetti said when he cast him, he was just crazy enough in the look of him to be the character that was in the book. And, of course, if you can't see that Ryan Gosling was perfect for this, and, I mean, his acting in this is just fucking outstanding. Let's go back. It's 2004. I mean, this movie's not – this for, for many people, this is a long time ago. But for me, it's stayed with me because it is romance. It is – that feeling of wanting someone, it's that feeling of what you want to do for someone else. Rachel McAdam, who I've often had a debate, would someone else be better in the role? Uh, um, and I won't say who, but I, she nails it. She She's absolutely brilliant. So, you know, on top of that, you've got James Gardner, who is an amazing actor of his time, who plays the older version and he calls himself Duke, but um, he he is the young Ryan Gosling character, which is um, Noah, but now he's Duke. and So he's in a home, his wife's got dementia, and every day he just keeps churning it out, churning it out. But he loves to tell the story of them. And, and here's an excerpt where you talk about these people, I guess it is romantic, I think it is. Um, when I can find it, of course. Never find the one I want to. Nope, nope, nope. It's about security. What is that supposed to mean? Money! What are you talking... <laughs> Fucking Siri, why don't you shut up? It's about security. What is that supposed to mean? Money! What are you talking He's got a lot of money! Now I hate you, you well, slow bastard! You. If you leave here, I hate you. you what, I hate you I if you leave here. I haven't paid attention to anything that's been happening I to guess me. not. I think I must have misread all of those signals. Yeah, I guess you did. You're bored! You're bored and you know it. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something missing. 
you just stay with me? Stay with you? What for? Look at us. We're already fighting. Well, that's what we do. We fight. You tell me when I'm being an arrogant son of a bitch, and I tell you when you're being a pain in the ass, which you are 99% of the time. I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings. They have like a two-second rebound rate, and you're back doing the next pain in the ass thing. So what? So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. And we're going to have to work at this every day, but I want to do that because I want you. I want all of you forever, you and me, every day. <laughs> Will you do something for me? Please, you just picture your life for me. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, what's it look like? If it's with that guy, go. Go! I lost you once. I think I could do it again if I thought it's what you really wanted. But don't you take the easy way out. What easy way? There is no easy way. No matter what I do, somebody gets hurt. Would you stop thinking about what everyone wants? Stop thinking about what I want, what he wants, what your parents want. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What it's do you want? God damn it. What do you want? I have to go. Okay, so spoiler alert, I'm not going to give it away. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But I'm pretty sure most people have seen it. But you know what happens. Or you don't. Work it out. But there's a scene of written into a movie from a book which talks about real emotion and real people. And that's romantic. There is romance in that. It doesn't need to be anything special. It doesn't need to be over the top. You need to be into someone and being into someone means that you care about their emotions, you care about their feelings and you don't want to hurt them and you want to share how you feel about them with them. There's a couple of lines in there where they talk about what do you want, you know, what's important to you. That's really what you've got to put at the forefront. And when you meet someone that you want to share that romantic feeling with, then you do and say the stupid things I talked about previously. You know, I talked about earlier when it's you think, you know, I'm doing this because my heart tells me I want to do it. And later on you think, man, that was pretty goofy. But it's not about judging yourself. It's about this is how I feel, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. This movie portrays that. And it, and it, what's not to feel romantic about it? I could list another ten movies that fall in the category of romantic movies. And I think, eh, it's just a hype. But sometimes it's not it's not a hype. Sometimes it's an author or a writer has gone to, or a screenplay writer for that matter, has gone to the extreme of writing dialogue to make you interested, to show that that's what they're trying to sell. That's what they're trying to make you understand that what life's about. So... I think I've covered off about romance. I'm not talking – I mean everyone knows you can have picnics or you can have things but I talk about what triggers the romantic parts. Does music trigger it? Yeah, it does. If you like something, you want to do it, you share it. I, I put music tracks in because I want to share what different things mean, how they sound, 
you know what what it what it means i um I share movies with people and I give recommendations on movies to people that I think that yeah you'll really get this or you'll really dig this not everyone's got the same taste and sometimes it varies but yeah you'll get that vibe there's a show that I watched and I literally haven't finished it. There's nine, it went for nine seasons. The show's called How I Met Your Mother. Many people have heard of it. It came to an end a couple of years ago. But it ran for nine seasons. And the whole concept of the show was telling a story from the future about the past of how I met your mother. Now, it sounds a very, very basic story. But the Ted Mosby character, who is the father telling the children the story of, this is how I met your mother, actually grinds on me so much because I find that if I keep watching it back to back, he he does my head in in so many ways because I just find him irritating. And I see that the previous relationships where you think, oh, that's going to be his wife and, oh, no, it's not his wife. Well, for good reason, it's not his wife. He grinds on me. But the story that the writers were telling was one that people will say, eh, it's not that interesting. It went for nine seasons. People were keen. People wanted to see where it finished. People were, were clicking out of their, their life of reality and clicking into a show to go, oh, man, are we ever going to see who, is, who the wife is? And, and we all had our own opinions, right? As I say, I got uh, maybe four seasons, five seasons in and I just I, – I'll go back at one stage and I've caught up on different ones and there's been different women in the show that I, that you know, the romantic characters for his and, you know, you, you've got Barney. There's a character which is so funny because he's the most misogynistic man um, slut in the, in, the, in the show. What do they call him now? Um, fuck boys. And yet he plays such a, a misogynistic dude and yet he's a gay man. He's just everything... He's completely different to what the character is. Like it's just not who he is. Um, happily married gay man with, with children. So like it's, you know, there's, that's what acting is. And he sells it. Like he sells it hard. But the show was based around and what drew us in was based around Ted Mosby. Ted. Fucking Ted. Who calls a kid Ted? It's a fucking Ted talk. Um was based around this guy falling in love. So you might have watched it, you might have switched off, you might not pay much attention, but you watched it. If you watched it, you were in because you wanted to see how this worked. And for everything about Ted that annoys me, here's something that doesn't annoy me. Kids, for a brief period when I was seven, my best friend was a balloon. <laughs> it was the classic story. Boy meets balloon. Boy and balloon become friends. Boy loses balloon when mom sets out hot dogs in the backyard. No! Decades later, boy's new best friend finds out about the whole thing and never lets him live it down. I hate you so much. The whole thing taught me a lesson. If you love something, you can never let it go. Not even for a second. Or it's gone forever. Well, at least I still got my hot dogs. No! It was a lesson that took me nearly 30 years to unlearn. Jeanette! Ted, listen to me. You're being crazy. I'm being crazy? Yes. How long have you been hung up on Robin? 
eight years, and you're still killing yourself to fetch dumb little trinkets for her. That's crazy. That's more than crazy. I don't think there's a word for what that is. Actually, there is a word for that. It's love. I'm in love with her, okay? If you're looking for the word, that means caring about someone beyond all rationality and wanting them to have everything they want, no matter how much it destroys you, it's love. And when you love someone, you just, you, you don't stop, ever. Even when people roll their eyes or call you crazy, even then, especially then, you just, you don't give up. Because if I could give up, if I could just, you know, take the whole world's advice and, and move on and find someone else, that wouldn't be love. That would be, that would be some other disposable thing that is not worth fighting for. But that, that is not what this is. So please, can I have the locket? Ted, stop it, okay? I know you better than that. This is more than a wedding gift. Maybe it started out that way. Maybe some part of me thought... That you still loved me. Maybe. But the truth is, I don't love you like that anymore. And you don't love me. You love Barney. And if you think I would ever be part of screwing that up, then maybe you don't know me at all, Robin. Oh, I, I can't shake it. I, I, I can't shake this feeling that nothing about me and Barney makes any sense. But love doesn't make sense. I mean, you can't logic your way into or out of it. Love is totally nonsensical, but we have to keep doing it or else we're lost and, 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 and love is dead and humanity should just pack it in. Because love is the best thing we do. Look, I know that sounds cheesy, but it's, it's just true. You love Barney, and, and he loves you. And that doesn't have to make sense to make sense. If I ever were to lose you, Kids, I won't lie. That was a long weekend. More ups and downs than I can count. And that is the final word of this podcast from Ted Mosby. It's true in so many ways that he says. Is that romantic? Is it love? I don't know. It's it's whatever you want it to be. But it captures so much about what I believe um, romance is. And it is about just having that feeling. So I'm going to conclude with that. Um, as I say, it's, it's hard to fake it and I haven't been in the mood but um, – I have to listen to a few tracks and a few things. It it's, brings me back to a good place. All right, we're going to round it out with this. Um, and, of course, I can't find it when I fucking wanted to. You can't be serious. you got to be shitting me. Okay, I can't find it. Romantic songs, non-romantic songs. Um, this, for me, is a great track. Um, it features the amazing... Um, John Legend and um, he is actually singing with Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer is primarily a songwriter in her own way that got to the point where um, she was trying to sell a song and they went, we want you to sing it. She put it out there and her career's taken off. So this is a song. But this is on the back of what Ted Mosby was saying Um about what's important to romance. To me, this is 
backs on top of it. So enjoy it. We're going to be back. It's a double banger. I'm going to have another podcast following this about Christmas coming up because I've lost a week and I need to catch up. So while you're listening to this, no, I think this is 54. 55 is going to be literally after this. So enjoy. And uh, again, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate the, the listeners from around the world. It's amazing that they get to, to reach out to such a, a huge place across the world. Um, and there's always new listeners in different cities and, and across America, the UK, Europe. Um, and I'm going to go back and list what's happened in the different countries at the end of the year. But I, I do really appreciate you listening. I hope that I bring some form of entertainment, some sort of spin on how I see the world. And um, remember, be kind and treat people how you want to be treated. I found myself dreaming in silver and gold Like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows We were walking on moonlight and you pulled me close Split second and you disappeared and then I
This has been the Zero Fucks Podcast, presented, created and produced by me, K-Mac. You can find me on all social media platforms as Gorilla Radio or at gorillaradio.com.au. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Are you ready? Let me tell you something about house music. It's not just a groove. House is a feeling. And when you feel it, you will understand. that use or have a, a secret message at the end of albums. If you're actually listening to this, it means you've listened to the right through and you haven't switched off. And it's just a little cheeky thing that I wanted to do. Probably wanted to do it before. But on the back of the romantic thing, this is, a, this is how my head works when I talk about romance. I just wanted to part with the song on top of the last one, which I really like. But I just wanted this one, this really will tune in to a few people. So if you're listening to this, thank you for sticking around. It's a little bit of a sneaky thing that I've done. But the people understand my romantic side will get this. So here it is. I hope you like it. <laughs> 